I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on Changing the Marijuana Laws. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both radio and TV, free of charge, on LisaEvers.com. Now, as you know, the drive to legalize marijuana continues to gain momentum. A new Gallup poll found two-thirds of Americans believe smoking weed is morally acceptable, yet only eight states right now have recreational use legal. Right now, thousands, many people of color and or low income are behind bars on marijuana charges. In New York City, the drive is on to decriminalize the public smoking of marijuana after studies revealed that a disproportionate percentage of blacks and Latinos were arrested for that offense compared to whites when every group smokes it at about the same rate. And in New York, the studies found that if you are black, and smoking marijuana, you're eight times more likely to get arrested than a white person who is smoking marijuana. In New Jersey, a similar story and another study by the American Civil Liberties Union found that black New Jersey residents are three times more likely to be arrested for pot possession than whites. Now, some people are saying legalization is more than just about what people want to do with marijuana. Making it legal is about a social issue and righting a social justice wrong. So change Changing the marijuana laws, will it end the discrimination? That's what we're going to find out about with our panel right now. Joining me is Charles Tucker Jr. He's a criminal defense and civil rights attorney. He's the founding partner of the Tucker Moore National Law Group. He also specializes in discrimination cases. Charles, great to have you with us. Pleasure to be here. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Also with us is Bishop Jethro James. He's the pastor of the Paradise Baptist Church. He's a chaplain for the New Jersey State Police, and he's the president of the North Jersey Committee of Black Churchmen. Uh, Bishop, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Christopher Anderson. He's the policy coordinator for the Drug Policy Alliance, their New York office, and he's leading the campaign to legalize marijuana. Christopher, great to have you with us. Great to be here. It's Alexander. Sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Let me do that intro again. How did I not? I didn't want to make Do we have that wrong on the... <laughs> do we have that wrong on everything that we sent you? It said Alexander. I think it was Alexander. But you got the emails, right? Yeah. So we had it right. Okay. All right, let me do, can I do that again with, with Christopher? I'll start again. The very top of the show? Sorry. Or can I just do joining us? No, I'm glad you told me now. Pardon me? Guys, I'm so sorry. This never happens. Like, okay. Chris, I'm so sorry. I was like, oh, let me just wait. <laughs> no, I'm glad you told, that's why I went through everybody's yeah, yeah. thing. You should, okay. But we got it. I would have been much more upset if it happened later on in the show. Yes, yes, Okay, yes, yes. this is good. All right, guys, here we go. Third time's a charm or the strikeout. No, I'm joking. Okay, okay. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're focusing on changing the marijuana laws. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both radio and TV, free of charge, on LisaEvers.com. Now, the drive to legalize marijuana continues to gain momentum. A new Gallup poll found two-thirds of Americans believe smoking weed is morally acceptable, yet only eight states right now have legalized the recreational use of marijuana. At this moment, thousands, mostly people of color and or low income, are behind bars on marijuana charges. In New York City, 
The push is on to decriminalize the public smoking of marijuana after studies revealed that a disproportionate percentage of blacks and Latinos were arrested for that offense to com uh, compared to whites when every group smokes it at the same rate. And what some of the studies found in New York City is that if you are black and smoking marijuana, you are eight times more likely to get arrested than whites. In New Jersey, a similar story. Black New Jersey residents are three times more likely to be arrested for pot possession than whites, according to a study by the American Civil Liberties Union. Now, some people are saying legalization is really a social justice issue. But will legalizing marijuana end the racial discrimination? That's what we're going to find out about with our guest. Joining me is Charles Tucker Jr. He's a criminal defense and civil rights attorney. He is the founding partner of the Tucker Moore Law Group. He also specializes in discrimination cases. Charles, great to have you with us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also with us is Bishop Jethro James. He's the pastor of the Paradise Baptist Church. He's the chaplain for the New Jersey State Police, and he's the president of the North Jersey Committee of Black Churchmen. Bishop, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Christopher Alexander. He's the policy coordinator for the New York Office for the Drug Policy Alliance, and he's leading their campaign to legalize marijuana. Chris, great to have you with us. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Charles, I want to start with you on this. The statistics that came out and the studies that came out, various studies about this racial discrimination in marijuana law enforcement in New York City, what's legal right now and what's illegal? Right now, currently, the it's 25 grams is like the cutoff, so the uh, possession of 25 grams. Uh, your first and second offense is really a, a non-classified offense where you can actually get a penalty of $100 on your first offense. I believe you can go up to 200 on the second offense. Uh, upon the third offense, then it gets a little tricky. Most uh, jurisdiction, most uh, district attorney's offices have been handling them kind of, uh, you know, equal across the board where they're still, even on the third offense, it's not imposing any jail sentence, even though they could get up to 14 days in those instances. Um, so for the most part, I believe, and again, you know, back in my time when I was a prosecutor in, in Brooklyn, you know, I can honestly say those cases were handled a lot more stricter than it seems that is Right, and the, and the Brooklyn DA, Chris, says, the Brooklyn DA says they're not going to really prosecute the smoking charges, the same thing with the Bronx DA, that they're not really going to go heavy and go hard on those, but wh what do you think and what's the sense that, that you have from the studies that you guys have done? Yeah, the district attorneys have said that they're interested in, in using their tool discretion really to decline to prosecute some of these offenses at a greater rate. Um, we still see, even at this point in time, 82% of cases moving forward to prosecution in, in Brooklyn, uh, where that conversation really began. Um, as we move forward in these arrests and we keep highlighting these disparities, there is an increased onus on uh, not just law enforcement to change the way that they enforce this law, um, district attorneys, and using that discretion to you know, throw out these arrests that are often uh, made after an unconstitutional stop. Um, but also on the legislature to change the law, um, which has not changed uh, in since 1977 uh, in New York State, despite multiple shifts in policy. Um, and so we're really interested um, in making sure that as we move forward beyond uh, this point of increased criminalization, um, that we're putting forward policies that really shift the way law enforcement interacts with communities. And let, let's talk with that. Let's talk about that too, because in, in New Jersey, uh, marijuana arrests are actually up. We see in New York City, they they say the mayor and the police department say the 
arrests are down, yeah. but the racial breakdown, the disparate racial uh, breakdown of those who are arrested remains the same. Bishop, what is your take on this? Well, do you feel the law is being unjustly enforced right now? No, I do not. Um, unfortunately, in New Jersey, we're trying to get a decriminalization law. They already have that, I believe, in New York. We don't even have that. Um, in New Jersey, uh, we have a governor that is saying that uh, he wants to, it's a social uh, justice issue, but yet and still he just zero base the budget. Um, for folks that are coming out of jail for reentry. So um, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. It's not a social justice issue. It's just us about the money. And then in terms of the overall scope of this, because you have been opposed to the, this, you see this as a larger issue that this, this rush, what, you call, what you've called the rush to legalization, people haven't really thought about what this is going to mean in communities of color in low-income areas. Why are you so concerned about that? Well, first of all, I'm a retiree of Public Service Electric and Gas Company, Urban Development Executive. The reality is that um, the unemployment numbers in the African-American communities across this nation are higher than that in Caucasian communities. The reality is that under the laws as they are right now, companies do not have to hire you. You will never work in law enforcement. You will never work in transit, New York or New Jersey. You will never work at PSE&G. Both Lowe's and Home Depot requires a drug test. You will never work in any place that there is a high density where folks in capacity where people will be hurt. And so automatically, right now in Essex County, uh, where my church is and, and where I serve on the Human Service Advisory Council, we've been given 100 jobs for the colleges um, in Essex County, particularly Essex County Community College. Um, 10,000, roughly 300, 90% of that is African-American, Hispanic, and other peoples of color. For the 100 jobs that we have, we can't get 35 kids to pass the test. That's working at airports, working at the port authorities. Because of the, because they have the, because they, they, they have the, they have marijuana in the system. Charles, the system. Charles in, ter in, ter in terms of the, the, the criminal, criminal piece of this, because the, there people were saying, well, this is great in New York City. They decriminalized the possession of that amount of marijuana, but you can still get, decriminalization means you can still get a summons, right? Right, because decriminalization is getting confused with legalization. All right, so right? what's the difference? So Explain that for us. Decriminalization is the lessening of the criminal penalties imposed to an act. In this instance, we're deal, dealing with marijuana usage. Legalization would mean an across-the-board scrubbing of any laws and penalties that would apply to the act. That has not happened here. Yeah. So in terms of the decriminalization, what that means now in New York is, and cor correct me if I'm wrong, because I want everybody to yeah. understand this, people see, you're right, there's a lot of confusion. People go, oh, it's decriminalized, there's no penalty, but you can still get, still get stopped by police for it. If they find it, you get a summons, right, which a summons you either have to answer in the summons court. And if you don't answer, a warrant is issued for your arrest. Right. A summons is still a step towards criminalization. And so, you know, as uh, the bishop was saying, I think some of it, um, as the bishop was saying, uh, we do have a decriminalization statute here in New York, and that's the statute that was passed in 1977, right? In 1977, we decriminalized marijuana possession. We decided that that was the way to go to lessen the harm that for was For small amounts of personal use. For small amounts of personal use. The problem was is that at that time, the legislature didn't consider what would happen when racial bias 
overwhelmed our police departments and our police commissioners, um, and we resulted, we created policies like stop and frisk, which is where most of our marijuana arrests have come from for low-level From possession. that era, when that was very high. In that, in that, but not just very high, I mean, still currently, right? So from uh, 1996 to present day, we've arrested over 850,000 people, mostly people of color, over 86% for this very offense that was decriminalized. And so when we talk about decriminalization, I think it's just important to denote that we tried it here in New York in the context um, um, that the bishop is, is, is referencing, and it has not worked to alleviate the harm that's coming from criminalization. But the issue there, you know, Lisa, I believe lies not necessarily in, in the, the, the act itself. The decrim decriminalizing was a step in the right direction. Yes. Because when police arrest someone, they, that paperwork goes down to the district attorney's office it's up to the district attorneys to make the judicial Whether proceed or not proceed. Absolutely. Because they, they are in the capacity to say, you know what, no, we are going to dismiss these cases. And I believe if the district attorney's office were taking a strong hand to this with the understanding of where, where, what is really the intent behind the decriminalization and slap these arrests down. So if it's a simple pro so if it's a simple possession or smoking in public with no other crime, no other criminal alleged criminal activity they like can, an assault or a robbery, they just they can just throw it away. They they just, they throw it away. All right, we're going to continue this conversation. This is Street Soldiers. We're talking about changing the marijuana laws. Will it end the racial discrimination? I'm your host Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Hey, what's up? This is your girl Sierra, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, baby, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on changing the marijuana laws. Will legalization end the racial discrimination? That's what we're talking about with our panel. Joining me is Charles Tucker Jr. He's a criminal defense and civil rights attorney, founding partner of the Tucker Moore Law Group, a former prosecutor, and he specializes in discrimination cases. Charles, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Bishop Jethro James. He's the pastor of the Paradise Baptist Church, chaplain for the New Jersey State Police, president of the North Jersey Committee of Black Churchmen, and very active in a lot of civic matters as well. Uh, Bishop, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And also joining us, Christopher Alexander. He's the policy coordinator for the New York Office of the Drug Policy Alliance. He's also leading their campaign to legalize marijuana. Christopher, great to have you with Good us. Thank you so much. In terms of the, Bishop, in terms of this, the discrimination in terms of who's getting arrested for marijuana use, every study, whether people are pro-legalization or anti, they all say the same thing. Blacks, whites, Latinos, Asians, everybody is smoking marijuana at the same rate. What do you think about uh, th this level of discrimination at this point? Well, discrimination is not new to America. Discrimination um, started But that doesn't mean may make it okay. I, I didn't say it made it okay. Um, it was my group that took on the state police, and the word racial profiling is uh, founded in New Jersey, and we did win. And so we understand that. There is discrimination in policing across this country. There's discrimination in how police even promote and do some things inside its own organization. So we're not talking about just discrimination for marijuana. There's discrimination as far as writing tickets. If you don't answer a ticket, you get arrested. You get locked up. But no one has done real prison time, and that's what we're talking about. I believe that's what we're talking about when we frame the issue. Nobody's in jail for 5, 10, 20 years for a joint. And so we need to be honest. The other thing that we Not need in New York. To, and, 
and not not in New Jersey. You're either. saying somebody in New York is is no, in jail. Not in New York currently, but right. that right. is that was absolutely the process, the policy, and the process. Once the Rockefeller right. drug laws created in New York were exported across the state, right? People but were you can still get you can still yeah. get arrested. Go through the system, which depending upon when it happens, you you end up missing work. You end up, you know, there, there's other other consequences. Sure, there's health consequences. Right. I mean, according to the New England Journal of Medicine, just last year in their study, they said anyone, and by the way, it's not marijuana to plant. I, I was just at a high school just recently, and they were saying it's a plant. It's the THC. It's that chemical element. And through this um, cross-pollination that has caused the THC to go up in its volume, and that's what's causing heart attacks. That's what's causing uh, emphysema. That's what's causing um, lung cancer. And the reality is we're not having that discussion. Well, let's have the discussion right now. Let's talk yeah. about the legalization. Chris, what about this? People are saying you're talking about marijuana like this is from some old hippie movie, yeah. that it's something passive. And people in the streets, in the communities, in our in our inner city communities, see, see what happens with marijuana. It's not just the marijuana dealer anymore. The marijuana dealer also has pills, also has heroin, also has fentanyl, also has any... Right. It's basically Basically, has anything that you want? Well, I, I, I want to absolutely respond. Can I can I respond? Yeah, just but go to ahead, the please. No, quick? you can do. Well, because I mean, I think that we are missing a huge component of what marijuana prohibition really looks like. We're talking about criminalization, right? Okay. And so criminalization, as you mentioned, will reduce people's access to employment opportunities, as the bishop has mentioned, reduce uh, people's access to housing, reduce education, people's access everything. to education. Uh, basically, a parents, productive life. Everything. Right. Everything. And so, by virtue of saying that we shouldn't reform because of the consequences of prohibition, I think we're we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, the bishop. So you're saying legalization would end that discrimination? Well, I, I would definitely not say that it wouldn't end the discrimination because you know legalizing marijuana is not going to legalize black people. But <laughs> right. what we will say is that this is a key tool for law enforcement in criminalizing communities, right? And so as we talk about the fact that yes, this is against the law currently, the problem and, and people who are pro marijuana, anti marijuana have to agree or at least on this component of the issue that the law is being applied unequally to people across the country. And that should be a problem that unsettles everybody. I think the study, the, stu the, the data is there, so the studies are showing that. Yes, right. absolutely. And, and, and we don't disagree that um, police have discriminated against African-Americans, Hispanics, people of color. We're not disagreeing on that. What we're disagreeing on, I believe, is full legalization and the outcome of full legalization, especially on the African-American and Hispanic community. And Bishop, what is your concern? Because you also, in addition to your many, many achievements and accomplishments and, and affiliations, are a licensed social worker. When you see the legal, what what is your nightmare scenario with legalization for our, our communities of color? Well, first of all, I, I can only give you New Jersey statistics. Okay. Um, New Jersey leads this nation or is second, depending on which study you go, and the um, low birth rate within its urban uh, America. We lead the nation. Babies are born of African-American and Hispanic parents that are low birth rate. The numbers are third world. But how can you numbers. say that's just right, attributable let me, let me, to marijuana? Let me, let me finish. It's not just contribute to marijuana. It's contribute to being poor, being black. It's contribute lack of prenatal to care. Lack of prenatal care. And now you're going to add to that um, THC, which we know and, and, and depends on which expert, but you find out that pediatric poisons are up 70% in 
Colorado. That's a fact. We find, you can say it's not true, but it's a fact. The fact is that babies But how do we know if those 70% of poisons are... THC, THC poisoning. We know for a fact that, uh, and and the U.S. is studying it for the first time, that the uh, Pediatrics Association is studying low birth rate. They're saying that babies born with THC will have uh, a harder time. They're going to be born Okay, I don't know. Let me me not get into health thing because we don't have a health expert with us here. We have a legal and social issue and and community, all of you are community experts as well. Chris, what do you, quick response to the call. Have we learned anything from Colorado? We've learned a ton. We've learned a ton from the benefits of not going first, right? And so we've seen some of the regulatory mistakes and, you know, successes that other states have What about what the bishop was saying about these, the, the, you know, that it's just, people are just smoking and Kids are getting secondhand smoke and babies are getting sick. Well, we know scientifically from the research that has been done by scientists uh, across the world that all the carcinogens that come from uh, tobacco smoke, for example, are not also present in marijuana. Now, smoking anything, as all doctors will tell you, is not good for you. Right. But to align marijuana with tobacco or, or some of these other substances worse, is not... according to all... It's worse according to the New England Journal of Medicine. Let's talk about credible resources. We both will agree that New England Journal, we're trying to get, we're spending billions of dollars to get you to stop smoking nicotine. Mm -hmm. And yet and still, we have some of the biggest tobacco companies, J.R. Reynolds, the name one, that's now going into the cannabis business. And the cannabis that they're selling in Colorado is not the three Four percent that was around in the '60s when I went to college. Let me the let, stuff they have now is 17, 18 yeah. to 90 percent. Char- Charles, I g- yeah. give us give us an idea of, of what impact this has on anything legally. Well, I mean, legally, what what I believe uh, uh, Mr. Alexander's point is that there has to be a middle ground to it, right? Because if if you're going to be affecting individuals of color and you're trying to use this. Uh, as a weapon, you know, there has to be a middle ground to it. I mean, to the bishop's point, you know, well, then it, it, to, to say, you know, make it legal across the board, that can't be the answer to it because then you're going to have some effects to your community. So there has to be a middle ground. And, and I go back to my point with Mr. Alexander in if we can all agree that, you know, that that the police are using the law to its benefit and they're using it in a discriminatory fashion and we all agree to some extent because mm-hmm. we all know the benefits right. of medical marijuana in Maryland they have it they use it medically and, we, and and the benefits are undisputed yes so we could agree we're not talking about medical right, right. Yeah. So, that, no, that's all pro- right. yeah so with this same drug if we can all agree that there is some harm that could be caused what could be the middle ground in saying well Maybe not across the board, you know, doing away with the legal penalties associated. Maybe we're holding our police accountable in such a way that gives them the the understanding that the DAs are not going to support a discriminatory uh, yeah. uh, implementation. What, what about that, Chris? Yeah, I think, I mean, regulation is, is that middle ground, right? We have a current system where... Um, you know, this product is being widely used by 50% of the country who have admitted to using marijuana at least once in their life. We have uh, people who are using this substance. Regulation would make sure that we put in safety mechanisms, testing mechanisms. We put it in a store and make sure young people don't access it. If you people are concerned about youth access, then you would advocate for regulation where somebody's there checking your ID versus now when this product is widely available. Okay, but let me ask you this. The, 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 I sat through the these New York City uh, council, council hearings with public safety where they had the entire police department talking yeah. about this issue. 
The police department said, you know what, we're making these arrests, and the New York City, let's understand the demographic, is different from the rest of the United States, where yeah. two-thirds people of color, at least at the minimum, and, and probably a higher number, the that they're going. The reason for these arrests are because of where they're getting 911 calls. So you, it make and people say that makes sense. If you're in an affluent area, people have have their own little backyard, or they have a private area in the backyard. They can smoke or whatever. If you're in the city and you're in apartments, high rises, public housing, all you can do is go out to the mm -hmm. sidewalk or the street corner or a park. Yeah. What do you say to that there argument? There are absolutely so socioeconomic issues layered in there, um, but. Also disproven it after those hearings uh, by Politico, by The Root, um, people who pulled the 311 and 911 data and said these hotspots that you're identifying don't match up. I live in Southeast Queens, okay. and the council members who were in the room from my district who ran uh, those hearings laughed at the NYPD when they said that this is the reason that they're making these arrests. For a variety of reasons, um, one of which being that if you're receiving a 311 call or a 911 call about somebody smoking in public, how fast does the NYPD have to arrive to enact to enforce that arrest um, while somebody is currently smoking in public? It, it doesn't happen. And so what would have to happen is that they are either going off of an assumption that this person was smoking and then we're searching. But and they would having... say they go to community meetings and that time after time people would say on such and such a corner there's always a bunch of guys smoking so weed out, when yeah. I'm picking up my kids from school and I don't want to walk through with the baby carriage and the and the little youngsters coming come, you know through a group of guys and there's there's weed everywhere. So and have the, to explain to is, a five-year-old why that cigarette smells funny. The question is if we're willing to ruin people's lives forever with a criminal record that doesn't go away over a nuisance offense. That's that's the Lisa, question that let me, we get let me, to. Let me say Say this number number one already in New Jersey and the law has not passed. We have NIMBY, not in my backyard. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, in the very community in which our governor lives, they've already passed NIMBY. He can't go and get a joint if they passed it today in his municipality. It already which is says, a affluent, which a very... Which is a, a very, quite affluent. Um, the reality is that they're going to push it in urban areas. We know this, and I don't think anybody um, would disagree, in Denver, like malt liquor. Uh, uh, right, like malt liquor. In Denver, when you look at um, the advertisement, they have more, they call them smoke shops in Denver, than they do have Starbucks and McDonald's combined. And uh, am, I, am I not correct? And, and they're all in our area. Why, why wouldn't we think it's going to be a scourge? And then dealing with the whole policing issue in my neighborhood, um, one block from my church sets both a bodega and sets two schools. The schools only go up to the eighth grade. You can go and buy a Lucy anywhere. When I was talking to the governor's policy people, they said, excuse me, Bishop, what's a Lucy? These are the people <laughs> that are going to put down policies that don't even know the language that's going to impact the community. That's a joke. That's a joke. All right, we got to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about changing the marijuana laws. Will it end the discrimination? We'll be right back. Yo, what up? This is Clarity, and you're listening to Street Soldiers with the one and only Lisa Evers on Hot 97. You dig? Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about changing the marijuana laws. 
will legalization and the discrimination that exists today in enforcement of those laws. Joining me for this conversation, Charles Tucker Jr. He's a criminal defense and civil rights attorney. He's also a founding partner of the Tucker Moore Law Group. They're active all across the United States. He specializes in discrimination cases and is a former prosecutor. Charles, great to have you with us. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Also with us is Bishop Jethro James. He's the pastor of the Paradise Baptist Church. He's the chaplain of the New Jersey State Police. He's also president of the North Jersey Committee of Black Churchmen, among many other uh, positions and activities. Bishop, great to have you with us. Thank, Thank you, you so Lisa, much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Also with us is Christopher Alexander. He's a policy coordinator of the Drug Policy Alliance New York office, and he leads the campaign to legalize marijuana. Chris, great to have you with Columbia. us. Let's talk about pop culture. Weed has been around in pop culture way before rap music even came onto the scene for decades. It's always been there. It's in movies. People make jokes about it on mm -hmm. regular TV shows. It is everywhere. So is there any, does anybody see anything wrong with that? What I smoked in the 60s, I, 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 I'm quite sure I'm the oldest person in here. What I smoked in the 60s, thank you so much. What I smoked in the 60s um, perhaps had the, the good stuff, had 2% THC. What they're selling now is a cross blend of starting, I think the lowest that I've seen in Colorado is roughly 9 to 17% THC. And the stuff that can go in the hookah and in the e-cigs can go up to 90 to 92%. Um, as a matter of fact, the stuff that they put in the hookahs, they tell you to handle with a plastic glove, and yet and still you're going to blow it in your, your face. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to respond. I mean, if, if we look at popular culture, um, yes, uh, the marijuana of today is, is not the same marijuana of the 60s. Um, but what we see moving beyond prohibition, if we reference alcohol prohibition, is that at that time, you know, everything since everything was illegal, if people wanted to have a drink, they had to get the toughest stuff. They had to get the moonshine, right? And so as we've seen in other states, as they've moved beyond pro prohibition on marijuana, what happens is you have an expansion of what use looks like. And so there are folks, just like with alcohol, who decided to choose to, hey, I'm going to have a wine. I'm going to have some beer instead of taking shots of moonshine or tequila. The same thing is happening in the marijuana market as we see it right now, where people are choosing strains with lesser uh, amounts of THC, higher CBD, or a balance of the two. But how can you know that? It's, it's not like you're getting a box of cereal and you go, like, I got six grams of sugar. I got, you well, know, how many that, grams of, of he, carbs or... Here in New York, we don't have access to that information because right. there's no regulation. But in states like Do Colorado they other and California, places? yes, they have to test, they have to regulate, they have to uh, label the product that's being sold to people so people know exactly what they're getting. And I think the bishop's point is, is spot on. Yeah, things have changed, but with regulation, we're allowed to have more transparency. Charles, let me ask you as a parent, in terms of what messages are going out about this to our kids and to our young people, how do you interpret them? Well, I mean, to me, I mean, if you if you make something legal, it's, it almost is like a, a silent acquiescence or, or that this conduct is acceptable. Um, but I believe the parents have to be the the borders of their home. You know, just because society may deem something to be legal doesn't mean I'm going to allow my kids to use something. Um, but when you push your kids out into the general public, you know, and, and, you know, little Sally, you know, said her parents smoke marijuana, you know, at, at the breakfast They've already table, had that happen you know, with kids they're going gonna, to... They're going to think, well, you know, why, you know, mommy and daddy's not doing it. 
So it's just, you know, it's evolving standards of decency. You know, society has changed, and something we believe to be a criminal act in years past has now, and we see the national push and even the push, you know, from the administration, from the, you know, from the president. You know, he seems to be leaning towards uh, giving the, the millennials what they want. And, Lisa, let me say this, since we're talking about the children. I mentioned the Lucy's before. We know that in, 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 in the urban areas, they don't sell Lucy's where the governor lives. In the urban areas, um, you can go get a Lucy unless they recognize uh, some of the shop owners know me if I'm in a suit. But if I put on my hoodie, my sweatpants, I, I, I can usually get the information I need. And so what's going to stop our children from going in? and purchasing um, that same marijuana. The other thing we need to understand, um, because of the THC, um, the chemical element that really drives folks crazy, it's what gets you high. Depending on how much it is, uh, some of our children are allergic to peanut butter. Just recently in Newark, I think about three weeks ago, we had a child die at a nursery because someone gave the child a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, my sandwich. God, that's so sad. And, and no EpiPen. Yeah, and no EpiPen. There is no EpiPen for THC, and we're not having that Chris, conversation. Chris, what about yeah, that? We're, I mean, well, thankfully, nobody's ever overdosed for marijuana. There's been no recorded deaths specifically attributed to marijuana, so we don't have to worry about that EpiPen issue. In terms of the youth impact of what we're telling people, I think if we sit by idly now um, and allow continued... Uh, disproportionate enforcement of the law, disproportionate or misapplication of the law to different communities, then we're also saying that, you know, law enforcement has this right to violate the law to enforce it, which also is, I think, an issue. Now, we're at a place, yes, where society is changing its views on this issue. We're at 63 percent nationally who support legalization and regulation. Right. Um, and what that is saying, I think, is that people are able to break free of some of that stigma that was, you know, a part of the popular culture in the 30s with that reefer madness nonsense. So, but, but I mean, what about the what about the, the right message? What, what about this argument? It's like you're you're in a you're in an urban area. You're in a low income area. You're going to have the store with all the signs that like they would used to have the Saint Ives or the you know the Old English whatever right. and, and, the and, signs and, and, are there. It's going to be like for marijuana. They're marketing to our children. Let's talk about. What but we've seen, let, let's talk about, if, if, if you're going to be honest, let's be totally yeah. honest with one another. Um, let's talk about some of the advertisements that you see, especially in Colorado. Because Pop-Tarts have never been, let's hold a meeting, get coffee and Pop-Tarts. That's not our thing. Um, Pop-Tarts, Rice Krispie Squares. Let's talk about the candies, the jellies. Let's talk about the ice cream. Let's talk about, that's not marketed particularly to adults. That's marketed to children. And the reason. Reality in Colorado in the African-American community with children from 11 to 16, we have 55% increase in juvenile um, arrests or suspension. And those are the real numbers. Chris, what, Chris what, 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 about the, what about that point with the underage? Because if it's legal, it's still not going to be legal, I hope, for kids under 18. Well, both of those points made by the bishop are ones that are dealt with as we regulate this substance. And so, actually, the regulations in the state of Colorado and in the state of California and in the other states who are um, selling or allowing the, sell, the sale of, of regulated marijuana for adult use have restrictions on what advertisements you can put out there. They restrict on making sure that nothing is being advertised The to same children. way they do with the, the, the alcohol and cigarette alcohol. advertising. Absolutely. And so what you're talking about is really a mechanism that, regu that, regulation, uh, that regulation needs to serve. But in they terms find of different the ways youth, for marketing. In terms of the youth arrests, 
Um, what we're what finding, about that? again, is that when we legalized in other states for people above the age of 21... Above the age of 21, we're talking now young people were left about out. our youth. Yeah, so well, I'm just saying, so when we did that, young people were left out. And so the only people who were left to be criminalized by the police, they shifted their energy just to young people. And so there needs to be, as we move forward in other states... So isn't that concerning, that the, now, now you have young people of color getting criminalized? Absolutely. So what I'm, what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is that what we do as, in our reform efforts as we get better at trying to stop the harm is making sure that we're Charles, making... That Charles, we're what do you think about this, under, this underage issue? Well, see, the, I mean, to, to Bishop's point, in Colorado, you can buy, you know... To, at a local gas station, you can That's buy right. gas and grass, and it's 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 an issue with enforcement. And in some of the the areas that they now have these pop up stores, you know, there are no enforcement officers walking around. So it's up to the individual, uh, you know, owner to make the distinction. But some at, of the gas the, stations you can buy you can buy beer, you can yeah, buy wine coolers, and, and, you can and, buy and, and cash will always take precedent always. over character. Always. And, and if we think that we live in a society where um, the, the, the uh, person that doesn't have the moral values um, that we may have that, that are sitting um, here with you today is not going to take that money, they're going to take that money. The reality is how will our children learn in school when they're high? How will our children and 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 how will and our children learn in school when they're not in school? Well, one of the number one reasons that kids are kicked out of school right now is because of marijuana. And, and so, 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 uh, and to take your argument, you can't legalize it to children. And so, how in the world are you going to keep it out of the hands of children? Chris, what and about that? Are you saying? Areas, are you saying, Chris? Are you saying that it should be legal for children? No, I'm not saying that at all. Okay. What I'm Just saying is clear. that we have to be smart as we as we move forward. And so by putting in policies that re reduce and restrict youth access, that's important. That's what regulation how does do, how right do you now restrict, as we how are. Do you, how do you restrict youth access when, again, I'm going back to the Lucy. Yeah. You can go get a Lucy from any bodega um, one block from my church. And the only time you can't get one, if I come in and they recognize me and the kids come in and say, Papi, uh, Dami, and, and he'll say, no, get out of here. You know, I don't sell them. He say, you gave three to me yesterday. So and what, that's the reality Okay, so what, what about the, what about the kid, kid piece? Because we, we just saw New York with, with a K2 epidemic. They got a bad batch. A lot of it, the police department yes. says, is coming from China, being sold at the corner that's grocery right. stores uh, the, in, the, in the neighborhoods. They were very concerned, over 80 overdoses. They were very concerned about children because it was coming in packages that look like candy bars, like in bright That's colors right. with bright names, with cartoon characters on it but, or whatever. And this is, and this is, I think, the emergence of these synthetic substances is in space of prohibition. Because when we talk to folks who do use these substances, they say, I'm using this because it doesn't come up on a drug test. Because I want, I, I want the high, but it doesn't come up on a drug test. And so what what, but I, I think there's a backward thinking here and thinking that when we operate from this prohibitionist view on, on these drugs as if they don't exist now. What I'm saying is not about, you know, young people should, should be allowed to use. We're saying that we shouldn't be kicking kids out of school for a substance that you yourself admitted to using. As and a so, grown man in college. And what I'm, and what I'm saying <laughs> not as a kid. is that shouldn't inhibit your access to education. That shouldn't inhibit your access to a bright future. We know what it's doing now. We know what criminalization is doing now. It's time for us to try something different. Okay, and on that note, we've got to take a short break. This is uh, Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Rotimi. You're listening to Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Yes, sir.
Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about changing the marijuana laws. Will legalization end the racial discrimination that has been proven to exist in enforcement? Joining us for this show, Charles Tucker Jr. He's a criminal defense and civil rights attorney. He's the founding partner of the Tucker Moore Law Group. He specializes in discrimination cases and is also a former prosecutor. Charles, great to have you on the show. Happy to be here. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Also with us is Bishop Jethro James. He's a pastor of the Paradise Baptist Church. He's the chaplain of the New Jersey State Police and president of the North Jersey Committee of Black Churchmen. Bishop, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. I'm Thank glad you so to be much. Here. Also joining us is Christopher Alexander. He's the policy coordinator of the Drug Policy Alliance with the New York office, and he leads a campaign to legalize marijuana. Okay, let's talk about. What does legalization look like? Charles, let me start with you on well, that. What it sounds like legalization would be taking away the tool, taking away the law that's currently in place that makes it a legal pen, you know, a, a penalty or fine or anything, uh, a crime in New York to possess this 25 grams of uh, marijuana and giving it, I, I think at that point, it wouldn't even make sense to keep anything else on the books that would be inconsistent with that. Whether or not it actually happens remains to be seen. But what I think, to uh, Mr. Alexander's point, it, it, I don't think he's, he's condoning some of the some negative social effects that p potential legalization could you, you know, lead into the communities. What he's saying is from a, from a disproportionate impact, we need to take this weapon mm -hmm. that is now being used by police departments to target young African-American males and females and, and, and remove it. And then, you know, and to take, that And take end. it from there. What do you think about that, Bishop? Legalization. What, what's, what does legalization look like to you Legaliz from where you stand? From where I stand, it looks like a nightmare and another tool to strip the African-American community of its ability to be educated in the better schools, to have the better uh, employment, um, to bring forth healthier children, and to, to deal with um, the realities of the community and, and public housing where it's not allowed, period. Uh, it would be a scourge um, to our youth. We know in states that have legalized in the African-American community, you want to talk about legalization, it's still not legal for a minor to possess it. Right. And so what we're seeing is that now you, we don't have to wait until you're 18 or 21 in whichever state um, you want to legalize it in. You're caught with it between 11 and 17. 17. And so the reality is now you start off with a juvie record. You start off in with the getting system. kicked out of school. Chris, Chris, you start what about off with the system. And so legalization will only and the stigma, add to that. And the stigma. Yeah. And the stigma. Chris, what about so, that? Uh, briefly, I mean, I think what's important as we as we move forward to ending prohibition is making sure that we're not increasing criminalization for young people. What we've done but how do in we the do legislation that? How do we do in the that? state of New York um, that is pending in, in the state of New York, the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, is make sure that we treat underage use and possession like we treat underage drinking, where the substance is confiscated but no criminal record is created. And so that's the way that you limit the harm that you see from youth use, but also make sure that the harm that comes from criminalization, which is much, more, much worse and much more significant, um, is not also pending on these folks. What legalization looks like, we're seeing it. We're watching it happen right now. We've got Colorado, who just hit $600 million in tax revenue from this industry, and they're building schools every day as New York City closes them. And so not true. So, so, so that is not true. The, the numbers in Colorado, talking to 
former mayor of Denver, uh, Mayor Webb, um, whom I've, I, I know personally, um, said they're not seeing the money in the school. I was just in Washington, D.C. last month, talked to an older woman. What they're seeing is these street trucks going out to events. They're not even asking, just like food trucks. They're not asking for ID. They're selling to youth. And there's not enough law enforcement to stop the bad guys. Okay, but what about the deal? Yeah, but what about the, what about the dealing? What about the way, like, if it's legalized, Chris, and, and you're, and according to the law that's, you know, being considered in New York, if it's legalized, so does that mean anybody can just become a dealer? No, you've got to be licensed. You've got to go through a state licensing process. Um, like other businesses, like liquor businesses, for example, you got to get licensed. And there are very strict regulations and guidelines that you have to uh, um, meet to keep that license. And also the Department of Revenue from the state of Colorado is what reported that revenue number. So I'm not making that up. No, no, is it no, the no, one to the Where the money oh. goes is not, you know, doesn't... Right. But what about the bootleg yet. market? Charles, what well, about the... you're always going to have the bootleggers. You know, at least you're never going to be able to do away with that. Um, and you'll, you'll continue to see that. You know, when they legalize gambling, you still have the illegal spots, you know, yeah. all up and down That's the right. East Coast. So, you know, it's not enough for me to say that... It's not enough to say that, okay, well, the money's not going where it's supposed to be going. The money, the money's there. You know, so if right. they... If, if there's good that can come out of it, it should be it should be diverted. But the issue is even you know it, even if we took away and said no, we're not going to make it legal, we would still have the same issues in our communities. We still have the same issues in the schools. We still have the same uh, issues with the pregnant moms not getting the nourishment that they need. It, it does not yeah. I, you know it's I, not I'm not condoning. It. I'm, right. I'm not I, I'm probably in the middle of the road, Lisa, on this issue. You know, because I've seen the the, 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 Both the sides. negative. I've seen it, right? As a prosecutor, I've seen the 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 males who get addicted on this stuff, and you know, for for some, it's a it's a gateway to even you know larger drugs, heavier right. drug use. And that that addiction piece in New Jersey is interesting. We have two high schools for addicted youth. Um, we have two high schools for addictive youth. We're not even having that conversation. And the reality is, if you take away the civil penalties um, from this, the kid has no record, but now he or she is addicted to this stuff. Um, where do they go? And if your family is poor, African-American or Hispanic, and you don't have the resources called insurance, um, there's no bed for you anywhere because you're poor, you're black, you're Hispanic, and you're in America, not America, America. As we as we move forward on reform, I think it's important not to paint marijuana legalization as a panacea. It's something that's going to solve all the problems that we have because it won't. No, what we're saying you. is that we're looking at the cases of the young woman who was pulled up by the on the NYPD who was then raped in her car, and they only... They only pulled up on her because they alleged marijuana use. We're talking about Wayne Henderson, a 25-year-old who was sent back to Rikers for a parole violation for marijuana use and was murdered in custody. We're talking about Philando Castile, who was murdered because they said they smelt marijuana. We're talking about Sandra Bland, who was found dead in custody. They said, oh, she was smoking marijuana. We're talking about removing a tool that is used not just for criminalization, but for the justification for, for murder profiling and of black people. Right. Okay, but we're talking about... And, and, and we certainly are sympathetic for the loss of life. But we're talking about the loss of lives and, 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 and a quality of life for generations because they're high, their brain is fried, because they are now addicted to a substance. They will not get the jobs that they need that will give them the benefits and the opportunity to move out of where they are or move their families. But there's nothing that, that indicates that being that these penalties that are in place, and again, 
You think people are not smoking marijuana because they're going to face a $100 or $200 penalty in New York City? And if they do away with those penalties and those um, misdemeanor infractions, that all of a sudden marijuana usage is going to go up? No, I think the problem that plagued the African-American communities will still plague the African-American. When we can't get together collectively as a community to fix our own communities and stop relying on a government and looking for other people to actually help us, we need to start looking at ways to help ourselves. And I totally agree with you. One of the things, though, I don't need is a community that says, look, we can sell it in your community. We can have access to it to your children, but, it but won't not be in sold my, in the governor's but it's not com- going to be, be sold s- in my community. And, the, and that's a yeah. point, and but that gets to the economic piece. But just, just very quickly, if the law changes and it's legalized, um, Chris, w- does that mean what about expunging records? That's a key component of anything that we support moving forward. Um, New York's, the, the legislation that we work on, the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, includes a provision to go back and look back at anybody who has marijuana convictions, either vacate, seal, uh, resentence, reclassify those past offenses. California's doing it right now, expunging records. And New DAs Jersey's not even talking about it. And we're not there yet in, in <laughs> Jersey, but I think it's important <laughs> that you understand that there are three key components as we do this. Right. Three key components that as much as we may disagree on the regulations or what may come, one is that as you legalize, you've got to look back and clear records. Two is that there's got to be diversity and inclusion in who gets licensed to sell this, because really the issue that we have as a community with the corner stores and liquor stores, it's not about that they're here. It's that we don't own them. They're not ours. Number three is that the resources that come from legalization need to be reinvested back into the communities. Right. In New York, we are poised to be the biggest market in the world. There's no way that you legalize after spending over $600 million a year enforcing and that revenue doesn't come back to the communities that have been and, most impacted. And impact. the money, and I'm sure Mr. We'll, Alexander, we'll let be, me give you this, and this is a fact. Real quick, know, Bishop, because we got You know this. The fact is that um, in Colorado, all that the grow houses and the distri- distribution and the shops are owned by 99.5% of Caucasians. I know that. All right, so then we're going to save that for another show. Real quick, Charles, so if they, if they expunge records, then does that mean that lawyers can file suits on behalf of people who were arrested for marijuana well, no. back in the day, but now it's not a crime? Well, no, you know, and again, you know, the, hopefully... Because people have brought that right. issue up. Well, we would look, the lawyers would, you know, would open their, you know, doors to actually help and assist... You know, individuals who are looking to get their to records, clear their records. It could go to Bishop Point because there are certain jobs and certain employment are going to be barred from them. But this would be a tool and a mechanism that could be put in place to make sure that doesn't happen. And it's done with the some of the crack cocaine laws, with, which was was changed. Those in, you know records were expunged and other things is done. It's the only way to consistently deal with the issue. Yeah. And, I and think to deal with it all the way down the all yeah. the way down the line Absolutely. in terms of you can't right all the wrongs of the past, Agreed. but at least you can, you can make keep them from having an impact on people's lives moving forward. Agreed. All right, I want to thank all of you for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Uh, Attorney Charles Tucker Jr., great to have you with thank us. You. Thank you, uh, Bishop Jethro James. Great to have you with us. Thank, thank you, you so much, Chris Alexander from the Drug Policy Alliance. Thanks so much for Good being with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind; it's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace.